Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Let's say that, and this is fictitious, but let's say, you know, there's so a... this a, is theoretical, what correct, you're saying. Okay. Like a podcast host, he's a... Uh, he's a clinical counselor. He has a PhD mm-hmm. in counseling, and he's pitched you seven or eight articles. Mm-hmm. And they, hypothetically. Yeah, this is all hypothetical. And he's, sure. he's been rejected time and yeah. time yeah. again. Yeah. How does one create thick skin and really not take that personally? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming you did that for the sake of this bit. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are so glad to have you. I'm Thank Josh. You guys. I'm Jimmy. And we are so excited to have Richard Clark on today. How are you doing, Richard? I'm doing well. It's great to be here. Richard is online managing editor at Christianity Today and co-founder of Christ and Pop Culture. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit about your work there at Christianity Today. Um, I am essentially responsible for anything you may see online at Christianity Today, just in terms of managing it. So that's that's the reason I have <laughs> nice. the title I have. Um, I'm, I'm sort of more involved in some things than others. So, for instance, the news uh part of CT kind of like does its own thing without me. Um, I can kind of like uh, count on Jeremy Weber, who's in charge of news and um, everyone who does news here to kind of do a really good job. There are other things like, you know, what are we going to publish on any given day? But that's kind of like the constant, the constant uh, burden <laughs> I bear sure, sure. Um, <laughs> as the on, online managing editor. And then I've recently um, lost a couple, we've, we've lost a couple podcasts and that's something that I've been really involved in. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of my job. And on, as online managing editor, let's say that, and this is fictitious, but let's say, you know, there's so a, this a, is theoretical, what correct, you're saying. like a podcast host. He's a, uh, he's a clinical counselor. He has a PhD in counseling and he's pitched you seven or eight articles mm-hmm. And they, hypothetically, yeah, this is all hypothetical, and he's he's been rejected time and yeah, time yeah. again. How does one create thick skin and really not take that personally? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming you did that for the sake of this bit. I'm <laughs> I'm assuming you were just setting up a bit, and I kind of am no. playing along. Oh, so, okay, okay. So, no, what I I would tell you that I reject. Like, this has been the worst part of my job because I'm not a person who. <laughs> I'm a people pleaser a little bit, and so I don't like to make people upset, oh, but I wow, constantly yeah. have had to learn to just reject people all the time. <laughs> what will happen is my inbox will be will become so full, it'll have like 100 in messages, and I'll know yeah. that it's because I'm having a moment where I don't like to make people mad. And I, <laughs> so I'll like sit and think, you know, quote unquote, think about an article idea for about 
a month and finally it will be irrelevant and i'll be like oh by the way i guess i guess Whoops. we can't do this yeah uh for our audience i have i have pitched seven or eight articles to christianity today and richard actually has been very cl- uh kind in his rejection so no worries i will keep plugging away well actually i would suggest maybe you stop i mean at what point do you just go i don't have really talent in this area well i, I told her uh my Go suggestion ahead. is never stop because we okay. we really do reject like very good writers all the time um, only because it doesn't meet our editorial needs. That's like a phrase we have copied and we just paste it <laughs> into emails <laughs> yeah. a lot. Um, but, Feel free to just respond to me. No. <laughs> right. We publish like one or two like extra articles a week beyond what we have from print. And so that is a small amount of <laughs> of leeway to work with. Yes, and may I just say, you know, again in front of Josh, y'all have never rejected anything from me. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's we'll try and keep it up. Mhm. Yep. All I got to do is keep not sending you things. Yep. And, it's uh, pretty easy okay. to not be rejected. Yeah. So. Um, okay, Christianity today in its printed form now in its online form, you guys have been the journal of records, so to speak for American Christianity for sort of forever. Um, So you guys probably have, you know, your hand on the pulse of the church as good as anybody. Why do you think that millennials are bailing out of the church like it's the Titanic? Um, I might quibble with the premise a little bit. I think people are, in general, are sort of like starting to uh, respect Christianity less in terms of a cultural influence, uh-huh. and so the, the millennials are part of that, right? Like they're a big, uh-huh. they're a big part of uh, general society. So yes, they are leaving, um, and they weren't. Uh, they're like one of the. They're you know the youngest generation we're talking about right now. So they are. Uh-huh. Um, they're sort of on the cutting edge of this. I think uh, the lack of cultural influence Christianity has in America is um, a double-edged sword, and I see it as largely a good thing um, in terms of the people that are leaving um, probably weren't totally invested in the idea in the first place, if that makes sense. So I think Mm -hmm. the people who are left in churches are really invested in the local church and really invested in Christianity. They have made a conscious decision to stay there. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're like me, you reached a point where you thought it would be fine for me to leave, you know? Um, Now this wasn't as I, when I was an editor of Christianity today, but but it was, um, (laughs) that'd be pretty hard to make a living there if you left the church. Right. But a few years previously, like I came to a point where I was like, you know, uh, stuff is hard and maybe, this is not for me. And, um, I could not get away from that. Like I could not, I mean, I could not get away from the local church. Um, it was something I had to face and make the conscious decision to stay. Um, and I think that a lot of people are having to make that conscious decision now when in the past, it was just an assumption that you, if you didn't show up, you were a weird person, you know, Yes. um, in your community. So, 
And how do we as believers engage those folks that might have the, the questions and they don't feel comfortable asking them within the, uh, in the church so they're leaving? How do we engage those with really good uh, theological questions or doubts and, and try to maintain that relationship, do you think? I, I would I would emphasize the importance of just listening. I, I don't think we need to right off the bat go into a bunch of arguments for um, or against various things. I think the key is to listen to people and understand where they're coming from. There There is an element of discipleship that we want to have, especially with people we've already invested in. And I think a lot of what the church misses is that you can't disciple someone sort of out of nowhere when they're having problems. That's impossible to do. What you have to do is you have to actively invest in people in your church when they're there and when they're a part of the church so that, and you have to encourage, like this is a two-way street. So I think it's hard for people to become invested in the local church community, but you have to create a culture that sort of expects that and encourages sure. people to become invested sure. with one another in, in small groups, but also in one-on-one, on a one-on-one basis. So that when say, uh, so a few years ago I went through a divorce and I had built relationships with elders there who it didn't feel weird that they were like totally concerned about me, you know? Sure. Um, sure. and it, that is honestly, I, 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 uh, I say that that saved my spiritual life and that yeah. I, had someone who was talking to me that I trusted and was saying things that I needed to hear and encouraging me to do things and uh, commit to things that I needed to do and commit to. And Richard, let me just tell you, I feel a little bit more like a part of the team now because you did reject my premise. So <laughs> I you have go. now officially received a rejection, rejection from, from Christianity Today. You're, part of, you're okay. part of the club. I've Good, gotten reject. I've gotten a lot of rejections from CT, by the way. I felt like I should <laughs> say that. Tell us, uh, tell us about Christ and pop culture. Sure. Um, so Christ and pop culture is a website that we started. Oh man, it must've been like 10 years ago. I don't actually know, but it was a lot, a lot of years ago. We started as a podcast, me and a guy who's just a pastor now, not just a pastor, but he's a pastor now. Um, David Dunham started it as a podcast. And then soon after we decided to launch a website and we brought in a guy named Alan Noble, to launch the website. So me and Alan Noble and David Dunham started this website um, back in the day that was about basically uh, not just like talking about pop culture from a Christian perspective, but talking about it from an appreciative perspective. Um, We were really focused on the idea of common grace, the idea that God works in the world in good ways, uh, whether or not it's through Christians, you know, he, he often does good things. And what would Richard, sorry, you cut out. What was that common grace idea? Yeah. So we were focused on the idea of common grace, which is the idea that God works through the secular world and gives grace to the secular world and does good things through the secular world too. So that applies to art, um, as much as anything. And so we wanted to talk about you know, the way we, we saw a problem in the church, which was, I called like the James Bond problem. There were these people who insisted that popular culture was awful and like, you should not spend any time with it. But when you went into their home, they would have like all of the, all of the, um, DVDs of James Bond, like on their (laughs) bookshelf. And I was like, 
So these people are basically saying we shouldn't talk about this stuff, but it's fine to just like watch it and forget about it. And I just thought that was really harmful. And so the whole idea of Christ and pop culture was to sort of embrace, appreciate, and then engage with even critically sometimes the, the work that we, uh, the sort of artistic work that we often uh, thoughtlessly would partake in. Yeah. And, and a little along that same line, what do you, as someone who's kind of, again, you know, examining current culture, what do you make of the, um, these, this recent trend in sort of pro-Christian movies that are not being produced in Georgia? Uh, you, that from like Risen and those type things. Risen, God's Not Dead, that sort of thing. Uh, not as much God's Not Dead, uh, but The Young Messiah. Um, you know, that it's not an evangelistic Christian film. It's just a film that happens to not be kind of pro-Christian. Yeah, I mean, um, those are interesting developments. I, it's, it, I just, I would, I mean, it, it depends on what we're talking about, right? Like every film has its own. Uh, it's a case by case thing. I feel like uh, I, I actually haven't seen any of those. To be totally honest, oh man, yeah, Risen I, is fantastic. Yeah, I, I yeah, feel yeah, like I want to see Roman Risen. soldier. You know the Roman soldier that he's just assigned the task of where did this body go? Oh wow, yeah, and uh, it's got major stars in it, and it's not overly Christian. Yeah, uh, but Jimbo, not all of us have time. We're not all 60 and have time to watch every movie that comes out. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it does go to say, like, I feel like there's something powerful in creating a film that isn't trying to be pedantic, that isn't trying to teach you a lesson. Um, And that's that's a really interesting development. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, And again, again, that's kind of keeping with culture. And you sound like you're 12. How old are you? I am 30. You have a very young sounding three. I think I'm 33. 33. (laughs) Yeah, 33. Um, I'm about to be 34. Okay. Um, Being a young parent, um, you know, and and again, kind of your job keeps you in looking at Christianity and culture. What would you say to young parents like yourself today? They're raising kids and in some ways, to your mention a minute ago, into what a lot of people believe is a very scary anti-Christian culture. Um, I was talking to a mom today who has a son in the USC film school and uh, and the placement officer said, you know, you're a Christian, so you need to tr- go make films in Georgia or Nashville uh, because it's not going to work for you here. And in, 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 in that kind of a culture, what would you tell these young parents about, um, well, you're doing it yourself. What's the best advice in raising a child in the midst of this anti-Christian culture? Well, so I have been doing this for a year and a month now, so I know <laughs> right. everything there is to know about authority. Uh, so I'm glad to give advice. Um, no, but I think I, I do think a lot about this and especially in regards to like our relationship with the culture and in my, just in my experiences, I don't know how much of an expert I am, but my personal thought as I think about how I'm going to raise Atticus is that I want, so I also like grew up with a non-believing dad and a believing mom. 
and that was instructive to me in terms of how to interact with a non-believing culture and sort and sort of like how to raise your child to become his own person. Um, I feel like it's really important. There are sort of twofold things. One is um, to trust God with your child. That is like hugely important because mm. the second thing is you want to allow your child. Uh, I don't know if it's the internet, but you cut out again. The first thing, trusting God with your child and then go on. Yeah. So that's really important because um, of the second thing, which is that you need to allow your child the freedom to have clarity about who he really is. Um, and that means to know whether or not he's a Christian or not. I think it's really important to allow themselves the room and the space to sort of make that decision for themselves um, and to sort of go from there. So while I will guide and train up Atticus in the way that he should go, yeah. um, I want to have constant conversations. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I want to have constant conversations with him about where he is um, spiritually and allow for him to push back, allow for him to be honest about where where he really is. And that includes, I think, being exposed to alternate viewpoints, right? I think that yeah, includes absolutely. having opportunities to fail. There's risk involved. And I think I want, I want, um, I, I don't think parents should be afraid of risk because risk is a clarifying opportunity. It's an opportunity for clarity. I think the, the biggest thing to remember is that fake Christians don't go to heaven. Christians who have been, mm -hmm. Um, uh, or fake Christians aren't, you know, Christians, they, uh, sure. they've been led to believe maybe that they are Christians or they've been led to pretend that they are Christians, but that doesn't really in the long run mean anything. And so sure. I know that will it's say to me, Lord, Lord. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really tempting for parents to, um, try and, uh, just want they want to hear they want to hear certain things out of good a good place but i think and i see that in myself right like i want i definitely know that when atticus grows up like i'm going to be hurt if he doesn't believe the same things i do mm -hmm. um but i want to make and this is something that my dad did for me i want to make it clear first and foremost that i love him no matter what he believes you know yep. um so that's that i think is the most important idea i have about very nice that's huge that very idea nice. uh so tell us about you are a host of a podcast called the calling tell us about that yeah so the calling is basically a podcast where we interview all sorts of different church leaders about their calling we always start with a question how would you define your calling and then we talk about it it's very freeform loosey-goosey uh informal hyper personal sometimes i always like tell people like i'm gonna ask you some intrusive questions so if you say anything you're gonna regret we'll cut it out <laughs> i always give that speech because we, i want people to feel free to talk about um their experiences and so um one thing that sets us apart is that we'll go there i think and then also we we always talk in person and so i'm having like an actual in person in the room conversation with people and That's just great. kind of like hashing out um 
not just what their calling is, but how they got there. Like, what was it in their life that got them to the point where they realized that that was their calling? And then um, I really enjoy hearing about struggles. This is one thing I just gravitate to as a person who likes to not feel alone <laughs> in his own struggles. I like to hear about yeah. what people's other what other people's struggles are. And so we talk a lot about um, the ways that people struggle with their ministry with their expectations and uh and with other people so it's a it's a fascinating podcast we just published one today um dan claire who uh who discovered his calling in the wake of having experienced um a time when his entire town thought that the rapture was coming and and it didn't happen and the like having to deal with the wake of that it's a pretty stunning wow. story. Wow. And then he's just a, like a great guy, really humble, honest guy who talks very transparently about his own, um, his own struggles sort of leading into embracing the pastoral call, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, the calling guys go listen to it. Uh, and if you want more information about Richard, it's ChristianityToday.com as well as ChristAndPopCulture.com. He's also on Twitter and Instagram. His Twitter is at the Richard Clark. Instagram is at Dead Yet Living, and then Christ and Pop Culture has a, a Twitter account. It is at Christ and PC. Did I leave anything out, Richard? That sounds good to me. Man, thank you so very, very much. We thank appreciate you. We your appreciate time. It. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. All right, take Alrighty. care. Okay, a couple of things that just kind of jumped out at me. Hey, and sorry about the audio. Uh, that was on me. We were on Wi-Fi. didn't have us plugged into the wall. Um, and so we were working on a small bit of internet. Wow. Uh, so that was on me. Sorry about that. It seemed wow. to cut out like... That was on you. At the most inopportune times. So the single most important thing... He <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sorry about that. Well, when he went over the lack of cultural influence of Christianity, uh, what a great phrase, by the way. Yep. Uh, a lack of cultural influence in man, ain't that the case? Um, and I loved it. When he talks about reaching other people and how do you communicate with, you know, non-believers around you, uh, he led with listening. That's the far cry from back in the day in the 70s and 80s when we would memorize presentations and we came at people like robots, uh, depending on what answer came out of their mouth and they would, we would go this, to this memorized presentation. And uh, I love this idea of listening evangelism. Yeah. Um, and then trusting your child, trusting God with your child. Uh, and then his second point to that, making sure they understand that you love them no matter what they end up believing. An interesting household, a mom believer, a, a father unbeliever, uh, and that his father did a really good job in respecting him no matter what he yeah. chose. Yeah. Um, that's difficult. And he even spoke to it. That's difficult to do. Absolutely it is. Richard Clark, guys. Check him out in his podcast and on ChristianityToday.com. Yeah, and, and check us out also at ParadoxPodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's Docs podcast. Uh, we update uh, photos on certainly Instagram and then articles, interesting parenting and marriage articles that we're reading on the other platforms. Uh, we also, if you sign up for our email listserv, listserv on our website, we will send you email updates about the show as well. You can find me on my personal accounts at those three platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It is Doc Josh Myers. Twitter, Instagram, it is at Fam. 
and on Facebook, Dr. Jimmy Myers. We enjoyed it today, guys. Thanks, Thanks for guys. Uh, being with us. Take care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Gar. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Way back in the day when I was first married and Beth would get, say, angry about something, And I could remember like, wow, I'm not going to stoop to that level to raise my voice or to show anger. And it was because I just felt I was holier than she was.